Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. So man, I'm excited about tonight. I'm excited about what God's doing. I know we've been in this revival night and uh, man, we've been looking at different portions of scripture over the past few weeks where we see revival in the Bible. And I love one thing about our church. I love the diversity of our church. So we got somebody like a Pastor Mike or a Pastor David. They're a little different, but they're... And then there's me, you know what I'm saying? Like, Pastor Mike gives me this opportunity. I don't know what he's thinking. Hopefully he's hearing from God. But see, I'm a type of person. There's two different types of people in this world. There's those that learn from positive reinforcement, from somebody patting them on their butt and say, this is the way you go. And then there's those that learn from what not to do. And that is me, my friend. Anybody else in here from the school of hard knocks? We are God's special children. So tonight we're going to look at a portion of scripture where, man, there was everything needed. Man, God put everything necessary for there to be a revival, but we see it go terribly wrong. So if you got your Bible, you can go ahead and open it up to Matthew 8, 28. And this is Jesus the story of Jesus. It says, when he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, it says, two demon-possessed men. Oh, yeah, we in church. We're going deep real quick. Two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. It says they were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? It says, some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus. Isn't that even demons begged Jesus? Man, they know where he stands. This is not a battle between dark and light, people. Victory already has been bought. They already bowed their knee to his name. They begged him, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs. I know this is a crazy story. Just stick with me. It says they went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran off, went into town, and reported all this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. It says then the whole town went out to meet Jesus. Revival, right? And it says when they saw him, They pleaded for him to leave their region. If you're taking notes, the title of this message is Take No L's. And for my more seasoned crowd and my more Caucasian crowd, L stands for losses. We are in this revival season, and I believe that God wants to prepare us in this season to take no losses. He wants you to receive all that he has for you in this season. He wants to receive all that he has for you this year. You know, my first title for this message was, Let's Talk About Sin, Baby. Let's Talk About You and Me. But I decided there was no place for secular garbage lyrics like that in the house of God. So we're going to stick with Take No L's. I did ask Pastor Johnny for permission to share that, to say that. So I got that clear right there. Uh, (laughs) But tonight, man, I want to talk about three different things that we see Jesus in a revival as. Three different things that Jesus must be for there to be a revival. And I know this series may have just ended, but like Pastor Mike said, man, this series is not a moment. This is a movement. And like a revival is much like a fire. There is a process 
to a revival. And I just learned there's a process to a fire because my wife just convinced me to buy some overpriced tin can of a fire pit. And I went and got some firewood, I just out of blue. How many of y'all you know, you know, know some people in your life that you know they just got firewood? I had no firewood, it was cold, so I headed on over to Pastor Rachel's dad's house, Mr. Thurston Messer. He hooked me up with some firewood. I got home and I lit it and tried to light it and tried to light it. I called him, I said, Mr. Thurston, this firewood must be wet. And he said, no, son, you must not know how to light a fire. <laughs> and then out of my insecurity, I began to word vomit. Well, you understand, Mr. Thurston, you know, I didn't do Boy Scouts. I did the Christian version, Royal Rangers. And they didn't actually let us play with fire in the annex. We just talked about it a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. Like, every Friday for six years, we talked about how to start a fire. We never actually got to do it. But God told me, man, there is a river of living water coming to Healing Place Church. His spirit is on its way. And he wants to do something new in this place. Isn't Christian lingo so funny? We're talking about fire. Then we're talking about water. This is your first time here. I'm sorry. This is what we do. Is it fire or is it water, Chris? What are we doing? You know, fire and water don't mix. I'm just encouraging you. If this is your first time in a church, just hold on. You will understand what he is doing. Three things that we see Jesus as in a revival. The first thing is he is for the lost. Jesus is for the lost. Jesus had a big job. Big job. Man, I love the diversity in our church. Now, we got some important people in our church. People with important jobs. I love one thing about Pastor Mike that I've watched over the past five years underneath his leadership is Pastor Mike don't care how important you think your job is. Pastor Mike's going to treat the important guy as important as the widow, as the single mom. And I love that about him. But Jesus was had an important job. I know there's people in here that think their job is important, but nobody's job was important as Jesus. We're talking about Jesus had three years. His ministry started at 30. He had three years to tell all of humanity, all of mankind, and all of the future of mankind of who God is. I mean, that's a big job. You know, the Bible says that the fullness of God dwelt in Christ. Man, I've only got three hours to preach to you guys this morning, and I'm sweating about that. I told my wife nobody would laugh at that joke. It's played out. She told me they would, but, you know, I won't use it anymore. Uh... But man, he had an important job. Think about it, three years. Three years to do everything that he needed to do, to talk about everything he needed to talk about, to spend time with everybody he needed to spend time with. I don't know about you, but if this was my job and I heard the clock ticking, man, I'm heading to the most influential people possible. I'm heading to the kings. I'm heading to the people with the most Instagram followers, the most TikTok followers. I don't even know what that means, but I know people get on there. That's where I'm heading. But where do we see Jesus? It says that he traveled to an entire another country just to sit with two demon-possessed men. We see him with the lost, the forgotten, the marginalized, the broken. You know, Bible scholars talk about these demoniacs. They said they lived in terror among the tombs. It says they lived away from the people because of their situation, their condition. Their condition has rendered them their, their condition, I'm sorry, has rendered them unclean. They weren't even allowed to be around people. They weren't even allowed to come to church. They weren't even allowed to worship God with the rest because of this pain that lived within them. They were publicly shunned. 
And the people shunned them and pointed fingers at them and stayed away from them and exiled them and isolated them. Yet here we see Jesus. You know, the funny thing is, is here these people are shunning these guys with their, with their issues, with their problems. And I really do believe with all my heart. You know, I've come to through, conclu through conclusion of sharing the word and getting to spend time with people over the past years, I found out that most people don't want to be the way that they are. Most people truly are doing the best that they possibly can with what they've been given. And here we see these guys ostracized and pushed out because of their condition, fingers pointed at, isolated. Yet I thought something funny about this story. Here these guys were deemed ritually unclean because of their condition, at the same time, the people that exiled them, that pushed them, that shunned them, that shamed them, got pigs in their backyard. See, if you know anything about the Jewish religion, if you know anything about the Jewish, uh, the Jewish community, pigs, even being around pigs, touching pigs, let alone eating pigs, also made you ritually unclean. So here these people are pointing fingers at these people but they got a little secret of their own in their backyard. Where did these pigs come from? But isn't that what we do? We label sin. This sin's worse than others. We judge people based on how loud or how public their sin is, or we categorize people by their natural bent to sin. We focus on all the vocal sins. Can't believe they're living a homosexual lifestyle. Meanwhile, we're talking to our spouse a way that God would not be pleased with. I can't believe he's a drug addict. He's a criminal. And we don't let people see what we do behind closed doors. It's what we do. This is us. Yet I love how Jesus has come to bust this system up. Religion's been doing this since the beginning of time. Yet Jesus steps on the scene. It says they were so violent that nobody could pass that way. See, if we're not careful, we'll become just like these people, just like these Jewish people. We will spend our entire lives avoiding the very ones Jesus spent his entire lives and calls us to engage. You know, in Matthew 25, 37, Jesus is speaking. He says, then the righteous will answer him. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to, vote, go to visit you? And Jesus replied, I truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. I love this Mother Teresa quote. She says, I believe in person to person. Every person is Christ for me. And since there is only one Jesus, that person is the only one person in the world for me at that moment. See, 12 years into this following Jesus thing, I've realized it's a very dangerous walk. It's so easy for us to get wrapped up into our safe Christian bubble, to get wrapped into, into our, our religious disciplines, reading our Bible and going to our Bible studies. Man, that's a good thing. But it's so important that we must not get caught up in this and we never find ourselves face to face with Jesus. He says, when you serve the least of these, you find yourself face to face with me. When you serve the lost, when you serve the forgotten, you find yourself face to face with me. I really do believe with all my heart the biggest threat to our church is not even sin. 
is just becoming casual Christians, growing comfortable and becoming spiritually fat. You know, I know we've been in this revival series, and man, God's been hopefully doing some things in your life, but I really do believe in all my heart there's been some people that have been here at every 6 a.m. prayer praying for breakthrough. You've been at every known prayer. You've been in the chat. You've been praying. You've been fasting, and you haven't seen God move yet. And you're wondering, Lord, what is taking so long? Yet the revival that you're looking for is not found in this room. It's not found in these aisles. That revival just might be found in that coworker, taking that coworker to lunch that you go home and gossip to your spouse about. That revival that you're looking for may be found in sitting down and having lunch with the homeless man outside of your office. That revival that you're looking for is found in getting face to face with Jesus. You see, religion is all about the things of Jesus. Christianity is all about getting face to face with Jesus. And it doesn't matter how much you give. When you're face to face with Jesus, he will always outgive you. He's just waiting for you to get face to face. I'm telling you that living water is coming. It's dammed up. It's blocked. It's waiting for you to get out of your comfort zone. It's waiting for you to align your heart with the heart of Christ, to seek and save the lost, to grab hold of his mission, to grab hold of his great commission. He's calling you. No, I couldn't help but think about some of the things that we pray about in 2023 in the modern church. Even the things that I pray about. You know, God, should I give this $5 to this homeless guy? You know, should I sit and talk to this couple? Should I pray for this guy at the register? I truly believe if, man, Paul the Apostle, if Peter, if the OG church heard about some of the things we prayed about, they would laugh at us. I just think Paul would probably beat me up. Like, Lord, should I adopt? Should I foster? The early church, if you look at it, they did not pray about these things. If you had the latitude, if you had the margin, if you had the ability, it was given. That's what true faith is. Faith is not praying about, should I do this? Faith is following Jesus no matter where he's going. That's what true faith is. That's what sets us apart. That's what makes us holy. See, going to another level spiritually is not about collecting or attaining for yourself, but in emptying yourself for somebody else. If we're going to see revival in this house, we've got to continue to pray that our hearts be like God's. Lord, let us hurt for the ones you hurt for. Let us follow the ones that you follow. Lord, let us leave the 99 for the one. I promise you, church, if you wake up tomorrow and you ask God where your one is, he's going to show you. He's faithful to do it. And we pray about all these prayers, but man, we pray things that align with his mission, with his will. I guarantee you, you will see it come to pass. Jesus is for the least. Jesus is for the lost. Second thing is that Jesus is in a revival is Jesus is for liberation. It says that Jesus says to the demons, go, and they flee. Can I encourage you? It only takes one word from our God. One word, one move of his spirit to rewrite your entire history. One word from our God to break down 30 years of change. One word from our God to rewrite and rearrange every broken part inside of you. One word from our God to make your crooked path straight. One word from our God to heal that cancer your doctor told you about. Mr. Charles Tortorich, we're praying for you tonight. Let's pray for him right now. Father God, we just thank you, Father, that you are moving on Mr. Charles' behalf right now. 
Lord, we know it only takes one word from you, Lord. So, Lord, we pray just like your word says that you are, your angels are under authority just like God, just like the man was. So, Lord, we tell you to ask your angels to go in Jesus' name. Let there be healing in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for the miracle that will happen, Father, the miracle that will take place, the doctors that will be astonished and they'll be left with only one word to understand what happened, and that is Jesus. Jesus is for liberation. You understand that God wants more for you than you want for you? Do we really believe that, church? God wants more for you than you want for you. God is in the liberation business, and oh, is he good at it. Where are you at, Jawaski? Is Jawaski in here tonight? Jawaski struggled smoking crack for 25 years. Eight months ago, just like that. God broke the chains off of him. I talked to a man named Mr. James coming to our church now. 25 years he's been battling heroin, fentanyl. Like that, chains broken off of him. He is for liberation. God wants to see you free. I'm talking about totally free. Free mentally, physically, spiritually, free from worry. And he means it. Do we really believe what the word says? Seek first the kingdom of God and all else will be added unto you. He will supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches. He makes all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Do we believe it? He wants to see us free from worry. And we're not called to walk around with the same anxiety the rest of the world walks around with. We're not called to worry about the same things that the world is worried about. We're not called to be concerned with the same, same things that the world is concerned about. We're not called to chase after the same things that the world is chasing about. I believe that God wants to reinstate a holy carelessness this year. Oh, to be a son and daughter of the Most High. I got a three-year-old at home. That boy ain't worried about a thing. He ain't worried about where he's going tomorrow because he knows his daddy's going to take care of him. He ain't worried about where his ex-meal's going to come from because he knows his daddy's going to take care of him. He ain't worried about what so-and-so think about him because he's got a daddy telling him that he's loved, that he's pleased with him, and that he's proud of him. It's time for us to walk in our inheritance as sons and daughters of God. It's time for us to grab hold of and understand truly what our God has for us. We got to get this down in our hearts. In our hearts. I know that a lot of this is information, but I believe God wants to do a little impartation tonight. I mean, you know, the longest trip is from your head to your heart. See, information fills your head, but impartation fills your heart. And I believe God wants to impart something into our house tonight. Man, this is holiness. Holiness has gotten a bad rap in the past 20 years. We think about holiness and we think about our Sunday school teacher, right? Mean as a whip. I mean, she made you think that if you had fun, you were going to hell, basically. It's like they picked the meanest of the meanest. Troy LeBlanc knows what I'm talking about. He was in that Catholic church, too. Them nuns ain't nice, boy. Some of y'all started drinking just so you wouldn't turn out like your Sunday school teacher because maybe she needed a drink. But church, God is ready to bring holiness back. And I'm not talking about what you don't do. I'm talking about what you do do. I'm not talking about what you don't partake in. I'm talking about what you walk in. 
The spirit that you walk in, the joy that you walk in, the peace that you walk in, the life that you walk in, that when you walk into a room, demons begin to tremble. Depression has to flee because the same spirit that rose Christ from the grave lives inside of you. That is holiness. Holiness is, man, what's wrong with that guy? Why is he so happy? Doesn't he understand the economy is going to whatever? Doesn't he understand? Hadn't he looked at his 401k? How is he not worried? That's holiness. Holiness is when we can walk in a supernatural peace, a peace that's unsurpassable, a joy that is unspeakable, that we can walk with no worry because we're not worried about the future because we know the one who holds it. And he loves us. He's crazy about us. Why would the world want what we have if we worry about the same things that they worry about? If we're just as concerned as they are, if we stress about the same things that they stress about, and you Christians got to wake up early on Sunday morning, you can miss me with that. <laughs> Church, we got to start walking in the Spirit of God. We got to start walking life in the Spirit. And you got to feed your spirit. Feed it. Be relentless about feeding your spirit. Pray in the spirit. Pastor David challenged me a couple last week. I had another pastor challenge me a couple weeks ago. Let's start praying in the spirit. And I'm telling you, man, I have been in an attack. I've been in a fight. I don't know if it's this message or God is whatever, but I've been in a fight. And I'm telling you, man, I just started praying in the spirit. I'm telling you, chains fall. And we are called to live life in the spirit. We can't live life in the flesh anymore. I believe that, man. We are, our tactics are not this ground warfare. Let the enemy use whatever he wants on this earth. Man, our weapons, our power comes from above. He's for the least. He's for the lost. He's for liberation. And lastly, he must be Lord. He must be Lord. So it says that he cast these demons into these pigs, right? And the pigs run off the cliff. And it says these guys run back to the town and tell of all the miraculous things that Jesus has done. And what do they do? They kick them out. These people chose their Lord over the Lord. They chose their sin over the Savior. See, Jewish people were in Levitical law. They weren't allowed to even be around this. These people were living in private sin. And they chose their sin over the Savior. Over some bacon? <laughs> See, everybody wants a Savior, but not everybody wants a Lord. But he can't be one or the other. He is Lord and Savior. He must be both. And I'm not trying to create a spirit of condemnation here. Romans 8, my favorite verse. If my wife would let me, I'd have it tattooed across my forehead because I need it. For there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. We do not live under the letter of the law, but we live under the law of life, it says, of grace. But this is not a license to sin. This is a license to live. Sin will always spoil what God's trying to do in you and through you. And I get it. Sin is fun at first. If you don't agree with me, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> but I'm telling you, it will always spoil the fruit that God is trying to produce in your life. See, when we accept Jesus as our Savior, our fight with sin is no longer for salvation. 
Your name is in the Lamb's book of life. And your future, your eternity is sealed. But our fight with sin is for our strength. You know, I sit down with guys over and over again, or even myself, and I find myself struggling or I fall to something. What's the first thing that you feel? You feel weak. The enemy knows he can't keep you out of heaven. He's going to keep you weak. You know, it reminded me of an outreach we did back in the day. I know Pastor Mike was sharing memories we just made 30 years this past week. But I was on the outreach. We didn't have any lingerie. We had female hygiene products. We used to get these 18-wheelers, and they bring them to the Dream Center, and then we get these Gaylords, which is a pallet with a big cardboard box, and man, this thing was full of women's hygiene products. I don't even know what to call them. They were just women's hygiene products. <laughs> and man, we load them up in the back of the truck. We're like, let's just go give them out. Two guys with a big old box of Tampax. <laughs> and we head downtown. About to change the world. <laughs> but when we got there, we were pleasantly surprised. <laughs> well, honestly, we were kind of a little bit relieved. But when we pulled up, there was nothing left in the box. We forgot to put a top on the box, Troy. <laughs> we just littered all of I-10 with tampons. But see, that's what sin will do in our life. I'll give you a second. Proud ministry moments. We could write a book. <laughs> we could write a book. But see, that's what sin will do to your life. And we have this revival. People have been praying for it. People have been sacrificing for it. We have everything that we need necessary. We've got an amazing worship team. We've got the word of God. The spirit of God is moving within our house. We've got everything necessary for this revival to happen. But man, sin in our lives, especially secret sin, will leave us just like we were that day, empty-handed. See, sin is a hole in the bottom of your soul that will allow the peace, the power, and joy to leak on out. Everything that God has put inside of you on a Sunday, on a Wednesday, sin will cause it to leak out. So when you're face to face with somebody who needs what you have, who needs that spirit, who needs that joy, you find yourself weak and empty-handed. See, they wanted a savior, but they didn't want a Lord. See, they're cool with Jesus getting rid of some demons, but don't tell us how to live. Isn't that us though? We're cool with God getting us a job, right? But don't tell me what to do with my money. We're cool with God protecting our children, right? But I have to forgive my spouse like you forgave me? See, we want a Savior, but we don't always want a Lord. And the enemy, he gets footholds in our lives through sin that spill into every area of our lives. See, the thing about the devil is when you let him in, you don't get to choose what rooms he goes into. There's been so many times in my life where I give the devil a little room, and next thing I know, my mental health begins to deteriorate. I find myself weak and drained and tired. When you let him in in one area, he's got access to all of it. And like cancer, he will spread to every room, every area, every facet of your life.
And as long as it's in the dark, it only grows. I felt like one of the biggest footholds that the enemy has right now in our society, in our time, is found in sexual sin. And it makes so much sense when you really look to the word of God to see what sex is. You know, Paul explains exactly what happens in sex in 1 Corinthians 6, 16. He says, don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scripture said, two are united in one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one in spirit with him. It says, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and has, who is given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor your body with God. Honor your body, honor God with your body. And I believe the enemy has found such a foothold in our society today. And I sit down with people that tell me they just don't feel whole. And I sit down with high schoolers who have been with numerous sexual partners and they just talk about how broken they feel inside. Sex joins you to somebody else. When you have sex with somebody, they get a piece of you and you get a piece of them. And you join yourself to them spiritually. Your soul is tied to that person. And the foothold is open and the enemy comes in. He begins to make people depressed. He convinces them that God isn't just against the sin, God's against them. That they are what the enemy they are what God is against. You know, people have been bound and kept in prisons of shame and condemnation for things they did even before they started following Jesus. The enemy's been holding it over your head. You can't start a small group. Don't you remember what you used to do? You can't join a volunteer team at the church. You can't pray for somebody. You know, one of my favorite verses is found in James 5.16. We all know the verse, all throughout the Bible it says, you know, confess our sin to God and we'll be forgiven. We just sang about it. Your sin is as far as the east is from the west. But James 5, 16 goes another level. He says, confess your sin to your brother and pray and you shall be healed. Church, I don't want to live just forgiven. I want to live whole. I want to live healed. There is power in confession. We're going to have an altar a little while and and we got some prayer partners here. If you feel comfortable, man, come confess some things. Maybe you don't feel comfortable here. Call us, email us, reach out to us. This is what we're here for. There is power in confession. God wants to see you walk in wholeness, in healing. He wants to break those strongholds off of your life. He wants to break those soul ties off. He no longer wants you to be connected to your past. You know, Tim Keller, one of my favorite quotes, it says, all sin against God is grounded in a refusal to believe that God is more dedicated to our good and more aware of what that is than we are. See, when we choose sin 
over our Savior. We're choosing one thing over all things. When we make Jesus Lord, choose all things over that one thing. See, the funny thing is, the very thing that they chose over Jesus, the, the bacon, Jesus was going to give to them in the first place. God knows what's good. He knew bacon was good. He knows what you need. He knows what's good better than you know what's good. Anytime we choose to sin, what we're saying is, God, our ways are higher than your ways. Our thoughts are higher than your thoughts. We know better than you. He's been doing this a long time, people. Can we just trust him? But on the contrary, see, we serve a God who isn't going to go into any area of your life that you don't give him permission to. Because he's not after just blank obedience. He could have made us robots. He's after your heart. When we allow him in, we allow him in every room, every facet, every area of our life. You will truly do exceedingly, abundantly above all you could ever ask, think, or imagine. Now think about Jawaski, myself, James, who I talked to this morning. The life we all desired so badly all began with trusting that God knows best. So I want to ask you tonight, will you surrender? Or will you reject revival? We're faced with the same question that those men and women were faced with that day. Will you surrender? every area. Will you surrender the areas you've never let anybody in? The areas you've never shared with anybody? The areas that you've kept locked and tight and hidden? Will you allow him in to do what only he can do? See, going to the next level spiritually is found in doing more, getting more, but giving up more room for Jesus to move in our life. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.